Hallelujah. We have a responsibility, church. We have a responsibility to love and care for our children, our young people. They're going to grow up in this congregation, and they're going to learn the fear of the Lord here. They're going to learn the ways of the Lord here. And they're going to look to you whether you know it or not. They're going to look at your life. They're going to watch the way you worship. They're going to watch the way you live. They're going to watch the way you treat each other. They're going to learn a lot. Let's make sure that we're teaching them the truth. Let's make sure we're teaching them the right ways of the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't we just lift up our hands unto God one more time and give Him praise this morning. He's in this house. He is in this house. Oh, we love you. We praise you, Lord. We love you. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you are in this place. We thank you that you are in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to be reading this morning from the book of Deuteronomy. I also want to say how wonderful it is to have Brother Joe and Sister Jamie Sizemore here, associate pastors at Grace Point, all the way from Grace Point this morning. Amen. Our beloved sister congregation and uh, here in the city, and we thank the Lord for them and for all that the Lord is doing. Praise God. From the book of Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29, and I'm going to read also from the book of Psalms, the 27th Psalm. And we enter this so sacred moment of handling the word of life. When it is handled correctly, it can save to the uttermost. And it can deliver and break any bondage that the enemy would, would have in mind. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Man, that's so good. I think I'll read it again. Lord, have mercy. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. From Psalm 27 and verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me up upon a rock and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy 
I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Oh, glory. Glory, hallelujah. By the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I, I would like to preach on this subject. Take refuge in the revealed things. Take refuge in the revealed things. Let's go to the Lord together one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask your anointing upon the remainder of this service. You are here, and you have brought us here to this place for this moment. And we pray, Lord, that your word will go forth with clarity, with accuracy, with fervor, with boldness, with love. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, every yoke be destroyed by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray in the name of Jesus that healing be administered to every heart, to bodies and souls and minds. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things and we believe for them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. The old song says, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathering home, we will tell the story how we've overcome, and we will understand it better by and by. It's, it's that line that brings that whole song into perspective, I think, for those who know the song and, and are fond of it. <clears throat> we will understand it better by and by. I think maybe we've all been at a point in our lives where we have had to hold on to the knowledge that we will understand it better one day. One day, one glorious, glorious day, we will understand it better. The song is, of course, not necessarily scripture, like an uh, Old Testament prophet didn't write the song, but it is reflective of scripture, and it is consistent with scripture. And, and the, the principle that the song is attempting to encapsulate is the, the principle that uh, that we will understand on that day and in that place that place of eternal rest eternal life we will understand things that we do not understand now in fact today we are we are we often, frequently, we talk about the fact that there is a peace that passes all understanding. And what a joy that is to know. That there is a peace of God which passeth all understanding. But the Bible says that in that day, and when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. That we know in part now. We prophesy in part now. We understand in part now. That's, that's really half the problem. No pun intended. That's half the problem. 
is that we don't understand certain things. Why things have to be the way they are. Why certain things have to happen the way they happen. Why some people die when they do and how they do. Why some people suffer how they do and why they do. Why we have to go through this, why we have to go through that, why did this have to happen to me? Sometimes we know that some things are our fault and other times we know we had nothing to do with it. It just happened and so we, we are tormented by what we do not know. Tormented by what we do not understand. We know in part. We understand in part. But 1 Corinthians 13 describes an amazing moment in which that which is in part shall be done away. You will no longer live with half of a knowledge or half of an understanding. You will no longer live with half of, of a wisdom. But you will actually, the scripture says it this way, you will know even as you are known. In other words, the way God knows and understands, then you will come into an awareness that only God has. And it will make sense of what you didn't understand on earth. Now, I don't know enough now to tell you how that's going to happen. But I can tell you that when you reach that golden strand, hallelujah, all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day. What a day. What a glorious day that will be. And you will come into the most heavenly wisdom the most heavenly knowledge. Your understanding will be complete. You will be without question. You will be without confusion. There will be no pause or hesitation in your mind as to how you may or may not be able to comprehend the things you just cannot comprehend right now. And so while on earth, there is a peace that passes all understanding. In heaven, we receive our peace from our understanding. But right now, when we don't know, right now when we don't understand, right now when we can't comprehend, when it does not make sense, and it doesn't matter how many preachers preach, you still can't make sense of certain things. Because they are secret to you and they are hidden from you. And you know, you know that God knows. You know that God understands. You know because of what you understand about God. That he knows. That he cares. That he's there. That he understands. And that he'll lift you up and pick you up. But there is this vague area of your life that you can't fully comprehend. I, this week, had one of those experiences in my family. When I was in Little Rock for the funeral of my little cousin, 
She was 26 years old, and she died in a car accident. And I rushed to the funeral to be with her parents and grandparents. Many of you know Brother Carl McKellar. That's her grandfather, my uncle. And uh, just not something you ever want to hear. Not something you expect to hear. 26 is too young. 26 is too young for somebody to go from this life. And so I sat there and listened to all of the speakers who did masterful. Beautiful, beautiful presentations of comfort, love. And, uh, and I watched as my cousin, my first cousin, Kayla's dad, stood up while we sang the beautiful songs of Zion. He stood up and lifted his hands to the Lord because he knows where his help comes from. And he doesn't understand and it doesn't make sense, but he knows where his help comes from. So he's praising the Lord. And I, I took uh, note of that and... And, and yet as I sat there, my mind began to travel back to when I was six years old, seven years old, pardon me, seven years old. And it was really the first person I remember dying in my life that I could relate to. I was seven years old and it was my aunt. It was my aunt Sharon. And this would be Kayla's grandmother. She was 43 years old. That's too young also. She was 43 years old. And I, I, remember, I remember feeling the grief of that moment at seven years of age. And as I sat there watching my amazing cousin receive strength from the Lord and stand up under the pressure of having lost his mother as a young man and now losing his daughter, his only child, as... A father, I, uh, I just I had to resign myself all over again to the reality that some things we just can't figure out while we're here on earth. And oh, do we need a peace that passes understanding. I know that I'm preaching to people today who even right now need peace that passes understanding. I know not because I'm a prophet, but because you're people. And people need peace that passes all understanding. I know this, and there are some of you who could testify. You could testify right now to the moment when you needed that peace, when the tears wouldn't stop flowing and the grief kept mounting. And somewhere, somehow, in some way, you can't explain it because it passes all understanding. Peace, like a river, flooded your soul. Hallelujah. You know where it came from, but you don't know where it came from at the same time. You know that it happened in a moment of prayer, that it happened in a moment of worship. It happened in a moment of honesty with God. Somehow God was able to step into your confusion, step into your chaos, step into your grief, step into your questions. And he really didn't change anything. Nothing changed in your circumstances. Oh, but, but peace came. One of the things that's amazing about that is I was talking to someone recently and I, I said, you know, I said it's amazing how powerful presence is. 
just simply being somewhere. You don't even have to have all the right words. Just your presence is so poignant and so powerful. Do you know where that comes from? That comes from God. How many times have we engaged God only to have his presence arrive? And he didn't perform a miracle. And he didn't change circumstances. And he didn't stop something from happening. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. It's, it's, he works all things after the counsel of his own will. And sometimes it's our will that makes certain things happen. And, 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 and yet his presence alone has the power to make everything all right. I don't he doesn't have to turn the... The, the, loaves in, the, the, the loaves into many. He doesn't have to even open the blind eyes. He doesn't even have to raise the dead for me to feel a peace that passes all understanding. All he's got to do is walk by. And when he walks by, I have some kind of a reassurance in my spirit. I can't explain it. The Bible calls it joy unspeakable and full of glory. But some kind of a reassurance comes over my spirit, comes over my mind, comes over my soul. That Once again, everything's going to be all right. We spend so much of our lives worrying about worst case scenarios only to arrive at them and discover everything is still going to be all right. Hallelujah. What do you do when you come upon a situation you can't explain? A situation you can't understand? Something that breeds confusion. Something that causes so many questions in your heart and in your mind. I... I've come to preach to you about that this morning because there are some things that our human minds are incapable of comprehending. They are secret things and they belong to God. And then there are revealed things and they belong to us. And they don't just belong to us, but they belong to our children and they belong to us and our children forever. They are the revealed things of God. When you encounter the secret things of life, know that they belong unto the Lord your God. But we take refuge in the revealed things. There are certain things that are secret. And God does not reveal them to just anybody. In fact, Jesus one day lifted up his eyes voice and said father I thank thee that you have hidden these things from the wise and from the prudent but that you have revealed them hallelujah unto babes why does God hide things because it's clear in the scriptures that he hides in fact he said that he is in hiding in the book of Isaiah he said command ye me and I will reveal certain things unto you. At one point, Moses said, Lord, show me thy glory. And God said, it's a secret, Moses. Moses said, don't give me that. Show me your glory. And God said, Moses, you don't understand. You cannot handle the glory of God. It will consume you. 
it will, it will utterly incinerate you. And Moses, you cannot handle my glory. And Moses would not stop. He would persist. And he said, no, you must show me your glory. And then the Lord, and I'm going to get back to this. The Lord said to him, fine. Well, there is a place, if you must know, there is a place where you can see my glory. It's by me and it's in the rock. There is a cleft in the rock. Hallelujah. And if you hide yourself in the rock of ages, then you can see the glory of God. Hallelujah. You can see things that you otherwise wouldn't understand. You can see things that would otherwise cause questions and confusion. But if you'll hide yourself in the rock, then you can see the glory of the Lord. In fact, God is he's serious about this hiding stuff. He really will hide things from those who are carnal. Here's what you and I must understand. Our carnal minds cannot perceive the things of God. That's why I could preach until I'm blue in the face to a carnal mind. But a carnal mind will not perceive the things of God. I hath not seen ear hath not heard I don't care how many services you've been in how many messages you've heard how many how many miracles you've witnessed I hath not seen ear hath not heard neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who love him but this is what he goes on to say but he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Not through natural observation of the eye. Not through natural perception of the ear. But these things are spiritually discerned. And God hides them from the carnal mind. The carnal mind couldn't perceive it if it wanted to. It is hidden. It is a complete, completely walled off. The carnal mind is enmity against God. If you're going to try to understand the things of God with the carnal mind, you will frustrate yourself all of your life. You will never perceive it. You will never come in contact with it. It will never make sense to you. It will always confuse you. It will always, it will always confound you. He reserves these things for the hungry. He reserves these things for his sheep. My sheep, he said, know my voice. The same clarion call can go out. And those who refuse to follow him, those who will butt their head like a goat against everything that he says, will never hear the voice of the shepherd. But those who say, Lord, lead me. And I will follow their sheep and they will hear his voice and they will know his voice. You want to know one of the reasons why God hides these things from the carnal mind? He said in one place, it was, first of all, it was God's will that Jesus be crucified. Jesus was to shed his precious blood. He was to lay down his life for us. This was God's plan. Man brought sin into the world. 
Man has to eradicate sin. Man is responsible for death. Man has to be responsible for life. And no man was able to do it, so God became man and did it on our behalf. I love it. I said, I love it. God found a loophole. God said, I'll be born of a virgin and I'll step into that world and I'll do what Moses couldn't do and I'll do what David couldn't do and I'll do what Elijah couldn't do. And he said, you know what? He said that if the princes of this world knew what he was up to, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So God hid it from them. He clothed it in carefully crafted parables so that he could send out the signal of truth and those who were hungry and those who would follow and those who would not rebel or resist would hear it. But everybody who had malice in their heart and would seek to do harm to the cause of God, they were totally confounded by it. Yeah, he would talk about the grain of the mustard seed. That if you had faith like that, it would move mountains. Nobody knew what he was talking about except for those who had childlike faith. That resonates with me. He would talk about a good shepherd that would go pick up one lost lamb and bring it back to the house. He would talk about a, a good Samaritan who would find a man beaten and dead on the side, near dead on the side of the road. And he would bind up his wounds and apply oil and wine and bring him back to an inn and care for him there. And some people didn't know what he was talking about. But his sheep knew his voice. He would talk about a sower that went forth to sow who bear, bore precious seed. And he would sow upon good ground and thorn ground and shallow ground and sun parched ground but that when it found that good soil it would grow and in none of the other places would it grow and not everybody understood what he was saying but his sheep the followers the one who said it doesn't matter if it makes sense if you tell me to do it I'm going to do it if you tell me to go I'm going to go if you tell me to believe I'm going to believe you tell me to go to Jerusalem and tarry until I be endued with power from on high. I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm tarrying until I be endued with power from on high. And so he hid this thing from the princes of this world. He hid this thing from those who would not listen, would not hear, would not obey, would not hunger, would not thirst. And he sent it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And everybody, he clothed it, the Bible says, in dark sayings, parables. Somebody said we should make it plain like Jesus made it plain. And we absolutely should make it as plain as we can. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're not spiritually minded, then it doesn't matter how plain it gets. You're not going to get it. If your heart isn't hungry for truth, if your spirit isn't desperate for God, if your soul isn't thirsty, hallelujah, to the point that you say, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me what God says to do. If God says it, I believe it. That's how you're going to hear the word of the Lord. That's how it is going to make sense to you. So God reveals certain things. How does he reveal certain things? The Bible says that he reveals his righteousness. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. There are some things that I've learned about God. 
that I could only learn about God when my faith was tried. I could quote, listen, I was in Bible quizzing. I, I, memorized, I, I quizzed for seven years. I memorized the book of Esther, many uh, portions of the book of John, the book of Romans. Uh, uh, one year we just did Pentecostal doctrine. And it was scattered through all, throughout the whole Bible, various verses that we learned. I memorized the book of Acts, memorized several selections of the Psalms. And I'm going to tell you something. Thank God for it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thank God for it. But none of that could reveal to me what the trial of faith revealed to me. The trial of my faith brought those things back to my remembrance and said, oh, that's what that meant. But without the trial of your faith, you will never understand certain things about God. I could stand up all day and say, oh, he's a deliverer. But until I found myself in need of a delivering power in my life, I didn't know what I was talking about. I can stand up all day and say he can dry the tears from your eyes. He's as close as the mention of his name. I can stand up all day long and declare because the Bible says it. But I want you to know that until your faith is tried, there are certain things that he will not be able to reveal to you. Oh, glory. So let him reveal the secret things. There are some things you don't understand, but there are some things you do understand. Take refuge in the things that you do know and that you do understand. I love what Job said when his whole world is coming apart at the seams. His children are dying and his houses are being laid waste and his body is falling apart. And he looks at some of his friends who are trying to encourage him and comfort him and while he's looking at them trying to make sense of it all he finally says you know I don't know why this happened and I don't know why that happened and I don't know why all of this had to be all tore up in my life but I do know this I know my redeemer liveth and that he stands at the latter day I do know something I love what the apostle Paul said after he came through shipwrecks and snake bites and beatings from the Jews and beatings from the Romans and he came through so many persecutions and perplexities being cast down but not destroyed he was confronted on all sides in perils by thieves and robbers and brothers and fellow countrymen but I love what he said when he said I know hallelujah my antenna goes up when I hear the apostle say I know I I know in whom I have believed. I said I know in whom I have. I'm going to say it again. I know some things I don't know. Some things I don't understand. But some things I do know. I know in whom I have believed. And that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. Some things I don't know. I'll be honest with you. When you're standing with somebody at a casket and the person is too young to have died, there's some things I don't know. But there's some things I do know. The Lord is my light. And the Lord is my salvation. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. I know that. 
Hallelujah. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I do know that. I know that God is love. I know that God is able. I know that God has power. I know that he's exceeding, abundantly able to do above all that we ask of thee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I love it when they say, I know. I like it even more when they say, we know. Because Paul said, and we know that all things work together for the good. Hallelujah. This isn't just a personal revelation. This is a church-wide revelation. We've got some folks that have come through the fire. We've got some folks that have, oh, come on, somebody, have come through difficulty, come through confusion, come through chaos in their life. And we know that all things work together for the good. We know this. We know this. That's why we shout. That's why we sing. That's why we dance through our struggles. Ah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah. Hallelujah. We know this. We know this. We know. We know. That's why when my cousin stands up and lifts up his hands, six feet from where his 26-year-old only child, mother of his granddaughter, lie in a casket and lifts his hands to God, I didn't bother to tap him on the shoulder and say, why are you worshiping? Why are you praising? Because I know and he knows. And he knows that I know that he knows. We know that all things work together. I don't know how, but I know they do. I can't make sense of the secret things. They belong to God. I can't answer the unanswerable questions this side of glory. They belong to God. But there are some revealed things that he made no bones about. I am a very present help in trouble. I take refuge in that revealed thing. I don't have to answer these questions that the devil torments me with. Why, who, how, what, when, where? No, no. I know he's my anchor. I know that he's got it all under control. Hallelujah. And when I reach that golden strand, I will know all things, even as I am known. Somebody said, well, won't that make you sad? You see, you got to understand, sorrow comes from sin and from death. But when that is completely eradicated from my world and from my life and my mind is no longer corrupted by sadness and sorrow, I can look at the most complex of circumstances and understand it so well that I have peace. Now, I don't know 
how? I just know that God is able. So I take refuge in the revealed thing that I know about God. This is what he told me. And he reveals this to us by his spirit, the Bible says. He has prepared this for us. No natural eye has seen what he's talking about. No, no audibly perceptive ear has heard what he's talking about. It hasn't entered into the heart of man the things that he has prepared for us. But they have been revealed to us by the Holy Ghost. This is how you really seriously can have peace in the face of the most devastating circumstances of your life. It's a little taste of heaven. It's a little glimpse of glory. You're sitting in a heavenly place in Christ Jesus. And there's nothing in this world that can give you that peace. You can try whatever you want. You can try any escape route you'd like to try. But there's no escape route this world has to offer that can give you peace like Jesus can give you peace. No one can touch you like Jesus can. No one can give you peace you cannot understand. Nobody. So my uncle, my uncle Andrew Urshan, my father's brother, stood up and he read from the psalm that I read from today. And he said, the Lord is my light. He didn't read it, he quoted it. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. And there lies his 26-year-old niece in the casket in front of him. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Mm. In his pavilion, he shall hide me. I want somebody to know God has a pavilion that the devil can't find. God has a pavilion that cancer can't locate. God has a pavilion that tragedy can't lay its hands on. God has a pavilion that depression can't navigate its way to. In the secret, the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. When my uncle said the secret of his tabernacle, I was like, oh, glory. I know what I'm going to preach about Sunday morning. I'm going to talk about the secret of his tabernacle. I wish I could take a little while and talk to you about the secret of his tabernacle because it was so confusing to man. It made no sense to man whatsoever. 
God brings Moses to a mountain and says, I'm going to give you a pattern. It's not going to make any sense to you. It's not going to make any sense to Aaron. It's not going to make any sense to the Levites. It's not going to make sense to all of Israel. And it's not going to make sense to any scholars. But I'm going to give you a pattern. Hallelujah. Just trust me and obey. Don't ask me questions every step of the road. You trust me and obey because behind every detail of this tabernacle pattern is a secret. All right, we'll do it. Whatever you say, what are we supposed to do? Well, first you got to purify yourself. You got to separate yourself. Purify yourself and be holy. Be made holy and walk into that into that outer court you take a lamb a spotless lamb hallelujah and you offer that spotless lamb you shed that blood and you go from the brazen altar this altar is made of, of brass the next altar is going to be a, or the, the next furnishing is going to be the laver of water a brazen laver you're going to wash at the laver of water then you're going to go into the inner court and there's a there's a table with bread and there's seven golden candlesticks and the candlesticks are shining light on the bread otherwise it would be completely dark you Eat the bread that the candlesticks are illuminated. Then you go to an altar of incense and you offer incense up into the heavens. You just burn it. That's all you got to do. Just do what I tell you to do. I know it doesn't make sense right now. It's secret right now. But one day it will be revealed. Then I want you to go inside the Holy of Holies. It's the holiest of all places. And you better be right when you get in there. I'm glad I wasn't a priest. Lord, have mercy. I'd be peeking around the curtain. They had to be right, holy, or they'd be consumed by the judgment of God. Listen, the secret of his tabernacle was not some little willy-nilly thing that you just messed around with. You better treat even though it's secret, even though you don't understand it, even though none of it makes any sense to you. You better not mishandle it because it represents the glory of the Lord of hosts. And when that priest would walk into that holy of holies and sprinkle the blood of that lamb, hallelujah, the fire of heaven, the same fire that Elijah called down from heaven, the same fire that sat like cloven tongues upon their heads in the upper room, that same fire, the Lord our God is a consuming fire, the same fire that burned the bush but did not consume it, that fire, Holy Ghost fire, fell from the heavens and consumed the blood on the altar. Hallelujah. It's a secret. When David wrote those words, he didn't know what he was talking about. He just said, I just know, all I know, I don't know what it means. 
All I know is that when I'm in trouble, he hides me in the secret of his tabernacle. He wraps me up, hallelujah, with his arms of mercy. I don't know what it means. I just know that his blood covers me. I don't know what it means. I just know that his glory overshadows me. I don't know what it means. It's a secret. It's a secret. It's a secret. It's the secret of his tabernacle. But I'm glad to tell you today, when God manifested himself in the flesh, he took what was to David a secret, hallelujah, and revealed it unto babes. He said, the lamb, that was me. The priest, that was me. The blood, that's my blood. Oh, I wish I could preach it. The tabernacle, that was even me. I'm the lamb, I'm the priest, I'm the tabernacle, I'm the blood, I'm the mercy, I'm the... Hallelujah, hallelujah. The secret of his tabernacle is the same hiding place that God told Moses to hide in. It's the same secret. Moses, not anybody can just see my glory. Because if you see my glory, you can't live. There's only one way you can see my glory. Is if you hide yourself in the rock. And the rock, hallelujah, provides you access. The rock provides you ability to observe. The rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. The cleft of the rock is the brokenness of his body because he is the rock. Hallelujah. I said he is the rock. The cleft in the rock is the brokenness of his body. When you are entered into the body of Jesus Christ by baptism into his name, you are being hidden in the secret of his tabernacle. You are being hidden in the cleft of the rock. See, see, Israel didn't understand it at the time. In fact, that's why many today are not necessarily believers in God. Because they couldn't move past the secret. They didn't understand the secret. Because they wouldn't follow the words of Jesus. When he revealed unto them who the lamb is. Who the tabernacle is. Who the golden candlesticks are. Who the bread is upon the table of shoe bread. It all reflects Jesus. I take refuge in the revealed things. There is no weapon formed against you. That can prosper if you will take refuge in the revealed things. There is no tragedy so difficult that it can strip you from you the joy of your salvation if you'll take refuge in the revealed things. It's been revealed to me that he loves me. It's been revealed to me that he knows and that he cares. It's been revealed to me that he understands the way that I take
And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold tried in the fire. It has been revealed to me, hallelujah, it has been revealed to me that his ways are just and that his ways are above my ways and his thoughts are above my thoughts so the secret things cannot haunt me and the secret things cannot torment me any longer because I take refuge in the things I know about God hallelujah come on let's praise him right now Come on, let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. Come on, right now, all across this building, there's a Holy Ghost. There's a moving of the Holy Ghost. There is a moving of the Holy Ghost. There is a moving of the Holy Ghost. There is a moving of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's it. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this house. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this house. Hallelujah. 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 I wonder if somebody could give him, and I don't know why, but I'm going to praise him anyway kind of praise. I wonder if somebody could give him, and I don't understand, but I know he's good kind of praise. Can you give him a, it doesn't make sense to me. But I do know that he works all things after the counsel of his own will. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could you stand with me right now? I remember, not only did I think about Kayla's grandmother, who passed away of cancer at 43, but I thought about Kayla's great-grandmother, who at 85 was killed in a brutal car accident. This amazing woman of God that half the time you thought she was already in heaven. I didn't know she'd have to go there one day. I thought she was already there. And I didn't know why at 85. I know that the God of heaven can change anything. I know the God of heaven can move anything. The God of heaven, I know he can. I've seen him do it. And why he wouldn't do it for my 85-year-old grandmother, I had a problem with that. I'm a pastor, preacher, and I had a problem with it. And so I was like, God, I love you, but I don't understand. I don't understand. Six months she lay there in a body cast, and then 
gone into glory into glory but I don't understand I remember getting real brazen with God so I don't, I'm not recommending you do that because I think he was just real gracious with me but I got real brazen with him and I, I will tell you this if you get real with him he'll be real to you you send him up some kind of a rehearsed canned little prayer and, and he doesn't even hear that God only hears heart I'm going to say that again. God only hears heart. And my heart was so broke that, that it just couldn't help but pour out. And I said, all right, God. That's how this works. If you spend your whole life working in your kingdom and laboring to reach lost souls, and then at 85, you, you're in a brutal car accident. You, you, you die a violent death. That's how this works. Then here, I'm going to go ahead and pray this prayer now. I don't want to die a violent death. No, I know I don't want it. No car crashes, no plane crashes, no bullets flying, no knife fights. I don't want to die a violent death. And while I was putting my, my audacious request out there, he interrupted me. And spoke to me and said this I died a violent death he said so many of my apostles and prophets died violent deaths and I realized he was speaking so I said oh speak Lord I, I realized I had I had kind of pushed into the throne room and, and he was gracious enough to extend his scepter. He said to me, he said, I was with your grandmother. You saw her lying in bed in a body cast. But I was in that cast with her. I love her more than you could ever love her. I was shepherding her. I was being God to her. I was her comforter. I was with her as she walked through the valley of the shadow of death. She feared no evil because I was there. some things I don't know so I will take refuge in what I do know he is able he has all wisdom he has all power Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said if you throw us into the fiery furnace God has the power to deliver us that's faith in the power of God but when they said if he chooses not to deliver us we're still not going to bow down to your image. That's faith in the wisdom of God. I wonder if somebody right now can lift up their hands and put faith in the power and the wisdom of God. Whatever you're facing. Whatever you're facing. Whatever you're facing. Whatever you're facing. Whatever you're, facing. Whatever you're up against. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm opening these altars for somebody to come. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. And as we sing, 
I want somebody to let the Lord lead you right now because the Spirit of the Lord is moving so beautifully in this place. Hallelujah. That's it. God bless you, Joel. Is a God, oh God, who loves me. Oh, oh, oh.